You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. It is Titans Week here in Indianapolis. A team that has given the Colts a whole lot of trouble the last couple years. That uh, has uh, kept Jim Ursay up at night throughout the offseason, at least if... Uh, he, uh, if his uh, chats with us in the media have anything to say about it, seriously, Tennessee or Titans uh, chap has been every other word out of his mouth throughout this offseason. Of course, the other word has been the former quarterback, but nevertheless, you knew entering this season how much this game, specifically at home, and in general playing this team, has meant to the owner of the franchise. I bet he would give up Ringo's drum set <laughs> if they could get back on top of the Titans. But again, it, it, when... I wasn't at the owners' meetings, but I but I was in on it with on Zoom, and unprompted, he went from one topic to the Titans, and he's not happy. He and it, it's a little bit it's it's a little bit crazy because to listen to him, you think it's been ten years, right? It's it's been for the last five games. Yeah, you know, before that, the Colts won like nineteen out of twenty two. Remember Reggie's infamous. Uh, discussion with the, with the fa- with the crowd at Nashville for at the, the draft. draft, yeah. Right, beat you guys, you know, three times in twenty or whatever. But it, it's it's the last two years. It, this has been Tennessee's neighborhood, and they've dom- I think they're like ten and two in the division. Mm-hmm. And you got to beat them, and you know, and it, right now it's Tennessee. But we'll talk a little bit maybe on later on. But is Jacksonville for real? We'll see, but it starts. It starts with Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into it more, Joe. But Tennessee, uh, they had a pretty good week last week, at least a really good first half against the Raiders. Uh, like y- you think Jacksonville's come out strong, but there's certainly no overlooking Tennessee after three weeks in the season. The path to the title division still, you think, has to go through the team that is the reigning division champs for the past couple years, and also last year's number one seed from the AFC. Yeah, you know, the Colts like to still consider themselves contenders in some fashion. And they had a slow start to the season. So just because Tennessee had a slow start doesn't mean they can just go around writing them off. This is still the team that has kind of plagued the franchise the past couple of years, and especially last year where they just swept them. We'll preview the matchup with an injury update, which will be significant as it has been the past couple weeks. Uh, Talk about the keys to the game. We'll make predictions. Uh, but we start with the news here in Indianapolis for this week, and there's uh, just a little bit of roster uh, uh, issue. Not issue is not the right word. Just a roster move to get to, as the Colts have signed a cornerback Ryan Smith to the practice squad and released linebacker Forrest Ryan from the practice squad. Uh, Smith has played in the NFL for seven years. Uh, he's played in 77 games uh, for both the Buccaneers and the Chargers. Has made 17 starts. Made just one last season with the Chargers. Uh, so a, a depth signing. Uh, for that secondary, uh, so Ryan Smith uh, is added to the team at least uh, for the for the current for the time being. Is that practice squad is always a little bit flexible. One thing that if I understand the practice squad rules correctly, and and they've not been announcing this, but when they elevate Chase McLaughlin to the active roster, he automatically goes back on the practice squad. They've not been announcing that, but if I understand correctly, you can do that three times. And this will be the third time for Chase McLaughlin to be added to the active roster. So then starting next week, he will be on the active roster. Right. Which means somebody, you got to make room. Mm-hmm. So you can throw a dart, whoever you think is going to be let go. But uh, all of a sudden, you're going to have to keep him on the active roster, which most teams do with a the kicker. They've had the luxury the first three, uh, 
three of the first four weeks not doing that. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say this. If I'm just spitballing, and I could be wrong, and, and maybe this is uh, premature, but uh, last week to have uh, Bernard Ryman out and Luke Tenuta was still inactive. Like, if you're going to cut somebody, maybe it's him. But but maybe the Colts want to keep him on it because they're afraid somebody else will snag him and put him on their active roster. Well, who, whoever they cut from the active roster, they'll try to re-sign to the practice yes, squad. That's just that's the way it works. Right. But when you're on the practice squad, I think you're allowed to protect four guys on a Tuesday. So the bulk of your practice squad is is are their free agents. Yeah, everyone. So, yeah. So, so we'll see how it goes. But it's, that's just one little roster thing that they're going to have to deal with next week. Colts Week 11 home game against the Philadelphia Eagles has been sold out. It's the fourth home sellout this year, joining Kansas City, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh. Uh, that means home game tickets are still available. Colts.com or uh, many different places you can buy tickets. Uh, Jacksonville, Washington, uh, the Chargers, and the Texans uh, all are still available to watch games at Lucas Oil Stadium. Now, since, the, since we're talking about the Eagles, I wanted to pose something because I put this on Twitter the other week. Um, Jalen Hurts has had one heck of a start to the season. He is the NFC Offensive Player of the Month, in fact, for uh, for this opening month to to the year. The Colts had two draft picks that year in uh, in twenty twenty in the second round before Jalen Hurts was taken by the Eagles a little bit later on to at that point back up Carson Wentz. The Colts' two draft picks that year are Jonathan Taylor and, before him, Michael Pittman Jr. Now, my question to the Twitter masses, who are, of course, the, uh, the most educated, the most uh, humble, the most uh, sober-minded of folks here in, uh, in these United States, my question was, if you could go back and redo that 2020 draft... Would you take Jalen Hurts with one of those picks? And if so, which one would you choose? Would you choose to not draft Jonathan Taylor? Would you choose to not draft Michael Pittman Jr.? That was a fun a fun little thought experiment. Um, what it came down to at the end was uh, the majority... I think said that they would not draft Michael Pittman Jr. And then a close second was no, I would take still Pittman, both Pittman exact and Pittman and Taylor. And then a very distant third with like 15% of the vote was, or maybe even 12% of the vote was we wouldn't draft Jonathan Taylor. It, it, it's a really interesting question because conventional roster team building says you take the quarterback and you take the wide receiver. And then you go find a running back elsewhere because we've seen throughout you know history that running backs are more replaceable than other positions, like quarterback and wide receiver. But this is just so interesting because Jonathan Taylor is such an elite player. Um, I, I have a hard time deciding which one I would go with. You ask me right now, like, yes, I would love Jalen Hurts on this Eagles team. Caveat to that team, question. Yes, yes. Colts team. Does Nick Sirianni get to stay, too? Ah. Because he... He's developed them pretty well. Behind a lot of the success that Jalen Hurts has had. But, but the Colts told you which one they would take. Because they, they took Pittman they first. They took Pittman. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, boy, you know, yeah. they, they took the receiver first. Yep. You know, I think they were certainly very, very enthralled by, by Taylor. And they even said he was you know, the, the unique back and all that. But they told you which way they would go. Yep. I think he's far exceeded to this point what they expected. And... 
it's, it sort of plays into this week's game where both teams, these teams are built the same. Mm-hmm. These Colts and the Titans you're right. talking about. They are. And, and what, what what's the rationale behind building your team around a running back who, if, if you're fortunate, you're going to get six years, I don't know, six years out of a running back. And receivers, elite receivers can play 10, 12, 13 years. So, but that that's a really interesting. They are, but they already had uh, signed Rivers. At that point, yes. At they that had. point, but what you're saying is though you have Jalen Hurts for two years. You think you, you they, at that point they wanted Rivers, you know, for two years. Yeah. So Hurts is there to back him up, and he's there to be your number one backup. You want to groom him under Philip Rivers, and then unleash him when the time is right. Couldn't have two more opposite no. quarterbacks no. between Jalen Hurts and Philip Rivers. Uh, I mean. What the Colts made, did made sense, obviously. They thought they'd have Rivers for two years. I mean, they got a pretty decent season out of him, and mm-hmm. they went and got him two weapons. And they went to the playoffs and came extremely close, inches yeah. away from beating the Bills. So I think what they did at the time makes sense. In hindsight, in hindsight you go, man, it'd be nice to have Hurts right I now. think Hot Rod's field goal missed by a couple more than just a, a few inches. I'm referring to the... Michael Pittman Jr. laying out in the end zone. Okay, that that pass okay. being just yeah, a few Several inches. different plays, yes. Yeah. We're, we're that close. It's a game close. of inches. That's it we were talking in the press room today, though, with the way this team is and with, with uh, Matt Ryan, that if they're going to get off this hamster wheel at quarterback, it's next year's draft. It just is. If things play out right, you're going to have a one and two twos. If the commander's uh, pick is a two instead of a three, and somebody was saying, well, how much would you give up to get a quarterback next year? All you, of them. Whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. what, Every what, pick. Whatever it takes. <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to say that, but let's say if they're picking 20th or whatever, and you need to move to 10, 10 yeah. or 11, you give you, firstly whatever it takes. And, and yeah. that's, why, that's why I think my question about Jalen Hurts yeah. is poignant, because if you solve the quarterback issue, what do you give up? And that's that's a hard question for people to answer you, when they, they have people in house, when they have seen them, when they, they have invested they in them. They would have given up the running back. Yeah, they just would have. I mean, again, they told you what they were they, what right. they would do completely. Because I think their their your approach is whether it's not to to tarnish JT at all, but the idea is that you can, you can find a good running. I was going to say serviceable. That's not a good running back. You can. You had Marlon Mack. What was he a four? Yep. Fourth round pick, mm-hmm. so you you can find the guy, but you can't find you obviously can't find quarterbacks, and it it's harder to find receivers than, than a running back. And you can take a running back as a defense. You can take a running back out of the game. I mean, we've seen the last two weeks. Jonathan Taylor's impact has not been what you would hope it be for a MVP level player, offensive player of the year level player. You can't take out the quarterback. They touch the ball on every single play. So just when you're scheming things up. From a roster standpoint, it makes much more sense. It, 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 the idea of the Colts breaking up with Jonathan Taylor just sounds like blasphemy. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at it, I think they'd be better off with Hurts. We can have a great show next offseason when it comes time to re-upping. Barring if, if both these guys have the kind of years you hope they will, how, how do you extend Taylor and how do you extend Pittman? Mm-hmm. What's your grunt level at receiver on what you're going to pay because it's going to it's twenty five million dollars. Yeah, and and the running back it won't be nearly that, and you can make it a shorter deal, give him his money in the first two or three years. Three years. years three yeah. years. So, but uh, in 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 Tennessee again, the way they build rosters, 
They got rid of A.J. Brown, who was their second All best world. their second best offensive player. He killed the Colts, that's for sure. So it, it's might have been their best this year. Yeah, and we'll get into Derrick Henry. He's not the same. Not not but yet. We'll we'll get to that. But it's really interesting. And and t- we and we have talked about this until these guys get the quarterback situation stabilized. Which again, next year you bring in the young guy, whoever it is, let him play a year behind Ryan, and then you tell Matt Ryan thanks for two years. Unless Ryan just goes off the charts, which there, there's other issues there. But you've got to have a long-term answer at quarterback, and these guys haven't since somebody retired. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together, we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Let's get to the injury report as the Colts and Titans are set to face off with one another inside Lucas Oil Stadium Sunday, 1 o'clock, broadcast by CBS4 locally in central Indiana. The Colts had a, uh, a cornucopia of uh, Pro Bowl players listed on the Wednesday opening injury report. Um, we'll start with Jonathan Taylor with a toe injury, did not practice. And there has been a tweet out there with Adam Schefter saying that's his first practice he's missed, which is I don't think it's true because we asked, we asked Taylor about it in the locker room, and he, he waved it off. Like, if I, 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 like he sounded like he didn't have this Iron Man streak when we talked to him about it, well, he, he missed... COVID-related. You're right. He did miss COVID, a COVID-related practice and a COVID-related game. So so maybe you can say injury-related, he has not missed, missed a practice. Yeah. But overall missed practice, no. And the Colts also held him out of minicamp. That's, a, that's what we call media-manufactured stat. Exactly. We, we, we can make anything sing. Yes. But, but uh, to, to the point of the tweet, Jonathan Taylor rarely misses practice. And... Uh, and the fact that he did miss practice is notable because he rarely misses. He practices through small issues. So this issue with the toe is something that is more than a small issue. I'm not sitting here saying that it's in danger of him missing uh, Sunday's game because he, as we tape this podcast on Thursday, did return to the practice field. We'll find out a little bit later if it's a limited or full uh, designation. I have a feeling it's going to be limited. I, I won't be concerned either way, no. as long as he's on the field. Exactly. Neither will I. Uh, but, but, but still, chap, I think that this this does raise at least one of my eyebrows to say, okay, this is not just nothing. There, there's a reason he's on this report, and it is something that uh, if it's more than if it's more than nothing, it, I I think it's likely that it has some kind of impact on on his performance in some way. Even though I still think. Completely, he's going to be out there. Which, by the way, James Boyd of The Athletic tweeted that Jonathan Taylor is back at practice today. Our, our very own Brett Bensley, in fact, tweeted right. the same thing. So uh, we'll give Brett credit for that who, who, as well. Most of those guys were back. Kelly was back. Kelly's uh, back. Gawkway was back. Gawkway, Gilmore, all back, says right. Brett. Uh, and DeForest Buckner was out there, although he's gonna, he's gonna separate. Play. He's going to play. Yes, I, I think he will, too. It, it, it just catches your eye whenever it's like the quarterback or a player who just never misses. You know, Naheem Hines has hardly ever missed practice. So whenever you see him on there, you think, oh, really? Yeah. But a lot of these guys, it's, I understand that we all sort of get bent out of shape on guys missing time, but that's just the way teams are now. It's, 
certain certain veteran guys that they do get time off. I remember they used to give was a Thursday's time off with, with Pagano. They gave guys and, and even with Frank. So Friday's generally the day that gives you. Well, of course, you get the status game status in, but I'm not really concerned. The only one I'm really probably concerned about is Blackman, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's not a insignificant. No player either, but uh, I think the rest of them will be okay. Frank Reich chap was really cagey when when asked yeah. about Blackman. I mean, when we said, "Hey, do you know what's going to happen?" First of all, it was is he going to practice? And it was kind of hemming. Uh, no, and that was on Wednesday. Wouldn't give us a straight answer right away. He he did eventually, but it was. Well, only but after he said, he said of, "I've got the, I've got the." And then yeah, then he goes into this. I've got the results back. I need a couple of days to, to like digest it or something what? like you need days to digest what's wrong with them it's like, like are we, are we going to amputate or try to f- save the leg or whatever no it, it sounded like they were going to look for a second opinion but frank didn't want to say I, that i i, I think that w- i really think it was more of the competitive keep them guessing uh-huh uh, which which if i'm a team that's what i would do you know let, let's say Shaq leonard uh is ready to play sunday at best, he's going to be questionable. Here's my thing with this, though. Like, why do you, why does it, why do the Titans care for their preparation, whether Julian Blackman is going to play or not? It's going to be the same defensive scheme. Like, Maybe they try and attack the seventh they, round. They, they believe or... he's better at covering up whatever, as opposed to uh, Rodney Thomas. Yeah, I know, but I still think that I still think you you prepare the same. You're still going to have some deep. You're still going to have some deep shots in in your game plan. And yeah, but I just think you think you can do more. Yeah, against no, I, the backup. I just don't I'm think... not saying they're going to throw ten deeps instead of two. Yeah, but I and, and some positions require some competitive disguise. You're right. I, I but, you, you are correct. I just don't think there's that much advantage. That's that's my personal opinion. I guess. I mean, it's probably it's almost ninety nine percent some sort of a sprained ankle, right? Like he high or low. Well, but yeah. if it's a high, then you know it's He's four to seven weeks. weeks. Exactly. Yeah. If it's low, then he has a But there, there have been down. times Frank said he has an injury and he's going to miss some time. Right. Which generally makes, in, in Frank's you know, vocabulary, it's like three or four weeks. Right. It's kind of like, you know, it, it just it's in degrees, but uh, we make too much of it, I think. Bernard Ryman, a limited participant in, uh, to, in Wednesday's practice, rather. And Shaquille Leonard is, once again, a full participant listed with his uh, back injury. So, when it comes to Leonard... Thursday chap has become our day of, uh, of chatting with him in the locker room. So it always uh, always uh, know exactly what we're talking about on Wednesday. Always know what you're writing about online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. I want to go over kind of what he said today because he did give us, I think he opened up a bit. Frank opened up last week, yes. which we needed, mm-hmm. and Shaq opened up more today. So what Shaq said um, was really about, let's see, where can I start here with this? Um, there's no such thing as me standing on the sideline just because of me. Because Shaquille Leonard reads Twitter, and and if you're uh, if you're taking jabs at him on Twitter, he sees it. He's just, oh, he's gonna see it exactly, and he'll you, probably like it. He'll probably like the tweet. So if you want to get Shaquille Leonard to like one of your tweets, just tweet it. Well, he sec- likes it because it motivates. Exactly, him. that's why he's saving. He doesn't like it. No, like no, 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 no. <laughs> he, he he quote unquote likes it. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So if I feel like I can play to the ability, I know I can play and help the team win. I'm going to be out there, but 
If I think that my ability is putting the team in trouble, I got to respect my decision to say, okay, Zaire Franklin's playing a whole lot faster. The defense would be better with me standing on the sideline. It's me looking myself in the mirror, telling coaches that. I've been practicing four weeks. People got to understand. The first week, it was nothing but stiffness. Second week, okay, now how can I cover ground? Third week, okay, let me see how I can tackle. Can I tackle in space? Can I move left to right? Can I do the things I'm supposed to do? So all those... Like there's, he gave us just a, a few more uh, a glimpse into kind of behind the curtain of some of these progressions that he's made throughout this injury, and uh, it certainly took a s- exception to the fact that some idiots online have called him soft. Which he's an all-pro linebacker in the NFL. Uh, that's it's one of the most asinine things that that he I've ever seen. He said they played last year on one ankle. Exactly, and he did. And he did. Yeah, he he was. He was hurting all year last year and was still an all-pro performer. He he took great exception again the first. It was about a six-minute interview we all had with him. The first four minutes were like just game-related. Exactly, you, they were they were more football. And we finally questions. said, you know, how you feeling and progress. And then he said, more more or less, thank you. Now I want to get this off my chest. Yeah, because a few people and it just, it's just got to be a minority that that catches his eye. Sort of question his manhood because you can look down on him in the sidelines and you can see him celebrating and it, kind of jumping up and down. Well, and if so, you can so jump I up and down. Why can't you play? I understand to an extent if that's a first reaction that people have, but if you actually put some thought into it, <laughs> if you take a second to step back and be like, "Well, that's a lot different than playing in an NFL game." Nobody's over there spanking on him. Exactly. Well, that's a lot different than running sideline to sideline. Over and over and over again for seventy plays. Well, that's a lot different than than sprinting forty yards um, after somebody who, who's running down the field. And, and well, that's you look at what Shaquille did in previous years playing through injury. Then there's there's absolutely no back surgery. no weight. There, yeah, back surgery. It's back surgery. Like, it, it, you know, they they mess with two discs in his back. I right. mean, it's not it's not an ankle sprain. It's not it's it's a back surgery, which they again they call back procedure. But I, through my years, I just I can't think of hardly any time that I've questioned a player. You know, why aren't you out there? Why isn't he out there? He he looks like this, but he's not. Pre- you don't know. And, and w- when you're close to it, and you see either practice, training camp, or a game, we were talking, Dave. I don't know how people aren't carted off every play mm-hmm. because of what they put their body through. Like so, the dust settles on every play, and there's somebody down there. You right. need to bring out the cart. Yeah. So, you know, these guys got here to this level, one, because they're supremely talented, but they're also wired with the competitiveness to be out there. And very few players aren't don't have that want to, and he's got it. It's kind of crazy that we've got to, how do I say defend it, but just set, set the record straight. When he's ready, he'll play. I don't. I don't think it's this week. That's just me. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't play this week, he's not going to play Thursday. You wouldn't think so. So maybe, maybe the, is it what's next? Jacksonville. Jacksonville at home in week uh, so, six. But we'll see. I, <laughs> Joe's rubbing his hands together. The other, you thought he'd be back for the first Jacksonville. Game. I was optimistic. It was going to be week two. <laughs> there's, there's things that made sense mentally that he would three, want to yeah. be back. Yeah, exactly. There are, yeah, but obviously he's not physically ready. Just remembering in all of this that uh, it was a back surgery that dealt with nerves that reached all the way down right. into his foot. So it's not just like... Two discs were pressing on nerves right. that were impacting all the way down and, his and, legs. And, and so that's another thing that Shaq said today, too. Like, there were nerves involved. Like, that was at some point in the quotes. He was going back and forth. People forget. It's not just a back. It's not just a foot. There are nerves. And, and right. that, that just adds some complexity to it. So, yeah, it's much... Yeah, it's not just a bone that needs to heal or a ligament that needs to heal. Like, it's 
it's far more complicated and far reaching than just one area of his body. And so that combined with the fact that I'm sure he was out of football shape after back surgery. I imagine I bet for a month you did very little. Yeah, exactly. Not even very little by football standards. I'm sure it's very little by anyone. By human standards. By human standards. (laughs) And so now he's got to gear up and make sure his body is not just capable of doing something like trying to tackle Derrick Henry, but is better at trying to tackle Derrick Henry than Zaire Franklin or Bobby O'Karake or the other linebackers on the team. So he's going from almost no activity to now trying to be in a spot where he feels like he'd be a better option for the team than the other linebackers. And not just once, but over a course of 60 or 70 plays throughout the game, because that's something else that Shaquille has said, that when he comes back, he wants to be full go. Like It's not just playing 10 plays and have a pitch count like, oh, that's all you're going to do today. Um, and we've we've kind of debated the merits of this we, chapter. We talked a bit. we talked about that today. You yeah, and I did. like uh, just saying, there is a difference between practice and a game. There is a difference between the intensity here and there. There's a difference between the hits in practice and in a game. So there needs to come a point at some point where you've done all you can in practice. So maybe the next step would be ten plays, twelve plays. Exactly. Like Did, you, you'd think that logically, but to Shaquille, that's not a logical next step. It's from practice straight to game, one hundred percent. Because you, you simply can't simulate in practice what you're going to see in a game. Right. So get him out there for ten plays and let him really run around and get hit and hit and all that, and then sort of step back and then see how the body and he responds. I, I honestly think one thing that that has not been in, in Shaquille's favor here has been what Frank Reich said about playing through injury, where he said, like, what Marv Levy always said is if you're 80%, you can be out there. You can find a way to play winning football. You can find football. a way to play, yes. And that, like, that, when you when you throw that out there and, and you have Shaquille Leonard in the state that he's in, I, I don't think that has done him any favors, is what I'm saying. So I, I don't think it was, a, it was a rash thing for Frank to say, but at the same time, I think that, like I said, it just hasn't done him any favors in the situation. Because I think we all agree that, he, that he's much further along than 80%. Yeah. And, he's, and probably he's, not, he's probably 90, 95% back to where he needs to be. He's practicing in full, like multiple right. days. Every right. day last week, he's practicing full, practicing full day after day. You don't have to scale it back one day. You don't have to take a day right. off one day. So you're stacking these days, but there's no reward at the end of it. So Because they can't, they can't do that last step. In practice, they just right. can't. Even if you hit him two or three times, mm-hmm. it's not the the forty plays or fifty plays. That's why I say it just from a rational standpoint, it just seems like what makes sense is get him out there for twelve plays, have him on a pitch count. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I don't think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be when he's ready, he's ready. Yep, that's certainly not what he wants, and that seems to be the path the Colts are on, kind of following his direction at this point. And they will make him active when he is good and ready to be so, both himself and the team. But really, starting with himself. How about the Titans injury report? Four players did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Safety, Imani Hooker. Uh, linebacker, Zach Cunningham. Tight end, Austin Hooper. And wide receiver, the rookie, Traylon Burks. So they got really to replace A.J. Brown. Well, one guy they got to replace A.J. Brown, along with uh, Robert Woods, another guy they signed or traded for. I forget what, exactly how they brought him in, Joe. I think they got him for like a six-round pick yeah, or I thought, something yeah, like that. Yeah, they traded him, traded for him with, with the Rams because uh, the Rams are going elsewhere. Uh, limited participant, the another rookie receiver, Kyle Phillips. With a shoulder injury, cornerback Christian Fulton, knee injury, uh, linebacker Ola uh, Adenini. Good luck with that one. Adenai with a neck injury. And uh, defensive back Ugo Amadi with an ankle injury. Full participant edge rusher Bud Bud Dupree uh, with a hip injury. So, um, It should be noticed that the Titans 
um, have lost their left tackle, Taylor Lewan, who I believe was a bicep injury he suffered. I believe he's so, been yes. placed on IR. They were without him last game, I believe, and they're going to be out with without him for quite a while, if not the entire season. Colts fans will know uh, what state the Titans are in by who they signed to the practice squad uh, to replace uh, Taylor Lewan. They have signed LaRaven Clark to their practice squad. Uh, so he's not on the roster, but a uh, former uh, bane of uh, Colts fans at left tackle, LaRaven Clark, is uh, is now on the Titans practice well, actually squad. Like we had him last year here. Yep. Yeah, I yep. remember. He went to the Eagles for a while because he followed, uh, he followed Nick- Sirianni over there, but... I remember, um, you know, Titans fans' reaction to the Colts signing Dennis Kelly was kind of like, ew, Dennis, right. yeah, have fun with Kelly. And that's kind of what the Colts fans are doing right now with LaRaven Clark. Yeah, so we'll, so we'll see who's out there and playing. It's probably not going to be LaRaven Clark, but uh, if it gets to that point, I'm sure that uh, Yannick Ngakwe will uh, Notice. Be able to, yeah, Notice. Build, he will be able to build on last week, which uh, the Colts had a – Really strong performance on the defensive line in particular. And uh, Ngakwe showed up stat-wise. Uh, Buckner was was a monster in the middle. Grover Stewart continues to be. I uh, hope he gets some kind of a Pro Bowl push. I know. But it's it's just, so hard to it, do. It's so hard to do in his role. Because you're not the three-technique guy. He's not the one that's getting a sack. He's not the one that's getting all the uh, stops in the backfield. He disrupts things so that they can't work the way they're supposed to. And then guys like a... Shaquille Leonard, ideally, would be the one to come in and clean it up or, or whatever. And, and his, his contributions to this defense are, are so important. They really are. Um, and, and we've talked again to several players this week about defense. This defense is a different defense than it was under Eberflus, obviously. Under Eberflus, there was a very strong um, uh, desire to stop the run, first and foremost, you figure under Gus Bradley, maybe it was a little bit different. Because I thought it would take a step back. Me too, because his numbers have been different over the years. Like They have not been good against the run, to be perfectly honest. But this Colts team has been really, really good against the run. Grover Stewart, huge, huge, huge reason why. And he will need to be big, Joe, of course, when, uh, when Derrick Henry is coming to town, even if Derrick Henry has not been as good this year as he has been in years past. Still trying to find that extra gear, kind of like Jonathan Taylor really has been, even though Taylor did have that one big performance week one when he was able to bust free a little bit uh, late in the game. But yeah. yeah, yeah, Stewart has, you know, I think we were talking last year about how he's really developed into a very nice player. He's taken an even bigger step this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he just looks like a menace out there. Um, the Colts arguably have the best defensive tackle combination in the NFL. I'm sure those are the other few very talented combos out there, but between what Buckner and Grover give to him, uh, it's just huge in the middle. And back to what they did last week, this looked like, at least in the pass rush, an entirely different defensive line. Like if you told me they just kept, you know, the same jerseys out there but had different people wearing the uniforms, I would have believed you because it looked night and day. Much They're better. Much more pressure against a very good offensive line in Kansas City. So I don't know if it was just desperation going into week I three. I thought maybe or, the, the, the secondary was a little bit tighter to, to make them hold it a little bit more because, again, with Trevor Lawrence, it was just quick. Yeah. It was yep. quick, quick, quick stuff. Quick stuff. That's another thing that I like. Certainly you noticed. And, and that's also maybe partly the Kansas City game plan. Like they like to hang back for a little bit. Let Mahomes evade the pressure and try to hit you deep. Yeah, exactly. It's worked well for them in the past, but you look at what other teams have done, and I'm sure the Tennessee's got to look at this, that 
Houston and Jacksonville were both able to hit the Colts in the in the air through the passing game via these quick hitting plays where you drop back three steps out, five steps, no hitch, and you're gone. Like there's very few seven step drops in those games where they're looking for their quarterbacks to make plays down the field. There were a couple of them here and there when they had the right timing to do so. But Kansas City did that a whole lot more. And their first drive, Kansas City, out of halftime, I even noticed it. Like, I tweeted it out that they were doing a great job of getting the ball out quickly, throwing it to receivers soon after the snap. They drove right down the field on their very first drive after halftime. And after that, they kind of went back to what they had been doing before. They're trying to sit back, trying to let Mahomes work his magic. And it was it was really puzzling to me that, honestly, the Kansas City offense with Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid just moved away from what worked so well on that one drive and what had worked so well against the Colts in the first two games of the season. So like, I don't think that the defensive struggles, quote unquote, are completely gone by by any stretch. If the Titans watch the first three games of this season, they know how teams have beaten the Colts. They should they should try to do what teams have done to beat the Colts and not do what Kansas City did, trying to hang back in the pocket. And really, that's not Tannehill's strength anyway. They're going to want to get the ball out soon, I think. So it, it, it's really more, um, when they do pass the ball, it's going to be more along the lines of what the Colts have struggled with uh, so far uh, through these first three games. So we'll see. Uh, the Colts have lost three straight to the Titans. They've lost four or five overall. Uh, Titans have won the AFC South the last two seasons. And they're coming off their first win of this year after defeating the Raiders 24-22. If I'm correct, I believe they scored all 24 points in the first half uh, as well. Had a really strong first half against the Raiders, then hold them off, held them off down the stretch. Uh, Tennessee's two losses came at Buffalo. That's no problem. Buffalo's a really good team in the AFC. But then at home to the New York Giants was the confusing They're one. not very good. No, they're the really Gi- not. I'm the Giants, I mean. Right. So th- at that point, you're like, what the heck? Um but if I'm not wrong, like Tennessee had one or two last year that were just puzzling too. You know, losses that are like, what the heck? And then they go against teams that are some of the better teams that are considered better teams, and they go and beat them. So, yeah, didn't Tennessee lose to Houston at one point last year? Yeah, something like, like that. Okay, like, the doors were falling off. Yeah, and and then the doors did not fall off, and they were still able to rally to the number one seed in the AFC. Um, Tennessee's offense right now is 22nd in scoring. They're only averaging 17 points per game. Excuse me. And they are 26th in yards, averaging just over 300. 21st in rushing, which that's a surprise that they're not top five in rushing because that's how they're built. And 23rd in passing, 208 yards per game. Um, Only allowed four sacks in three games. That's pretty good. Top five in the league. Uh, But they have turned the ball over a bit in these first three games. Six turnovers um, is the sixth most in the league. So so this offense, see, the defense has also not been... uh, quite so sound that you would expect from uh, Mike Vrabel. You can run on them. Yes, you can run on them. Uh, they have the uh, seventh most yards allowed, the most yards allowed per carry, 5.8. 5.8. I mean, you got John Taylor's got to be licking his chops. Naheem Hines, too. That toe's not feeling so bad right now. No, it's not. Exactly. You see that stat, and you're like, oh, I think I can go. Um, but they've allowed the third most points in the league, 28 points per game. Um Third most rushing yards per game, 145 per game. Ninth most passing yards. So this is a defense that's still trying to, to find its its footing, uh, chap. They do have some playmakers like a Bud Dupree. We've seen Danico Autry. When he's hot, he's hot. Good player. He really is. He's a solid player in the NFL. Like You want him as a defensive end or defensive tackle, whatever. They have some guys. Kevin Byard in the secondary 
is is a unheralded safety. I think when you look at all pro lists, but but he's solid every year. So it's a team that very much like the Colts. I think is still trying to find its footing on the air and get get to some level where you can say, hey, we we think this team is this. Like you can say that this about who a we are. bunch of teams. But yeah, the Colts and Titans are both. I think after this week, maybe one team will be take one step further toward, uh, I guess, achieving what they want to in, in, in that discussion of who you are for this entire season. I think the one thing that, and Frank's point is out, that the Colts' offensive issues, pass protection without question, picking up blitzes and all that, but it's it's being more efficient on first and second down, so you're not third and seven or with a holding penalty, third and 16. Genius. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Frank Reich, offensive genius. <laughs> this is not complicated. Uh, the thing that just drives you crazy, though, is when you see the path protection, and they're not going to share internal secrets. But when Frank says, "Well, we know what the we know what the answer is," well, if they come out this week and, and don't pick up blitzes, then apparently you don't know what the answer is, mm-hmm. or your guys are too dumb to or listen, incapable. Yes, right. Because there were times, there were many times against Kansas City where where. The protection held up, and Ryan threw the ball all over the place. Yep, strong, efficient, mostly accurate. Whether whether it was to Pierce or it was to Pittman, it was, he had one to Doolin. But there's not a quarterback outside of Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson that can play behind this kind of an offensive line when you don't know what you're getting. You can't have free blitzers. There was times linemen, whether it was Pinter or Kelly, that you watched the play, you know, the clips would be posted on Twitter, and they just didn't block anybody. And then meanwhile, there's free rushers who are blitzing. There was one play, I'm telling you, there was one play where Jonathan Taylor was supposed to pick up a blizzard. So that, that one was, I, I know, I just got to believe it was on him. I, yeah, I don't think all of them are on Kelly. or You know, so they look like it makes them look bad when they're sitting there not blocking everybody, but it could be the running back or the mm-hmm. quarterback. I, did, I didn't block him because this guy was supposed to block him. Exactly. Right. Well, somebody block him. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, if you have, say, say uh, this is an example, really, from, from this past game. If you have a safety or a linebacker coming up the A-gap, like, and it comes between Ryan Kelly and Danny Pinter or Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, you're like, what are these two pro bowlers doing? Well... The running back in the backfield is supposed to start inside and work his way outside when it comes to pass blocking there. So if you see somebody in this A-gap on the left side of the offensive line, that's where you start because Kelly's responsibility is A-gap right and Quentin's responsibility is the B-gap over there. So like you have to know that as the running back that if somebody is in that gap at the start of the play, that's where your eyes need to start at the start of the play. You can't and, and go to the outside up, first. Then you can do something that you can go elsewhere. Right. It's so weird seeing this from a players who have been in the offense for several years now. I get Matt Ryan's new, and some of it might come down. They've to had him, enough time. They they yeah. they've been together all off season, training. That sh- communication should not be a a byproduct of mm-hmm. a new quarterback. It just and a, and a new right guard. It just can't be any excuse at this point. Communication wise, mental stuff is a bad excuse. Right is what you're saying. Yes, I, I'm, and I would agree. That there's no excuse for the the number of communication breakdowns. Uh, like even been. Frank said, I can't remember more free blitzers. Yep, there were two or three times where Ryan, we're not Ryan apologists, had zero chance. None. The fourth and one None. or fourth and two play when the guy, I don't know, if it was Sneed. I'm definitely not a Ryan apologist. So yeah, true. true <laughs> but, but you just, you just you can't you just can't operate an offense when you have no. And there were a couple of times when he had time. 
and he had guys working open down field, but he anticipated pressure. That's just no way to, to run an offense when you start feeling the pressure that's not there. When you look at the replay, it was amazing he completed his first touchdown to Woods because there was another free blitzer who blew him up right as he was throwing, and he was quick enough to get through his progressions, move off of Granson, and hit Jelani. So, uh, yeah, you know, Matt Ryan certainly deserves his own share of the blame for the offensive struggles, mm -hmm. but he's also overcome some you know, pretty dire uh, pass protection situation. And he thought he was leaving all that behind in Atlanta. Yeah, right. Not so much. So much for that. Players to watch for the Tennessee Titans, who've seen Ryan Tannehill for a couple years now. Um, excuse me, completing 63% of his passes this year, 647 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions through three games. Now he's run it a couple times as well, uh, one rushing touchdown. Derrick Henry, guys, is averaging a career-low 3.6 yards per carry. And perhaps part of that is his only his longest run of the season is 24 yards. Very much like Jonathan Taylor, Joe, the Titans expect Derrick Henry to be a big play threat for them. And that's probably part of the reason they let A.J. Brown go, because they've seen Derrick Henry run for 70 yards, 65 yards, and been able to be that guy that, quote unquote, takes the top off the defense. I know it's a little bit different for a running back, of course, but still. If you want to be a team that has those explosive threats, they were looking to Derrick Henry to be that. 24 yards as the longest carry through the first three games has got to be really surprising to the people inside the Titans, uh, Titans building there. Yeah, he and you know, with Jonathan Taylor, you never wanted to predict the fall off or the cliff because there's few running backs ever like right. him in the NFL. 250, just a monster who can outrun people like that. But 28 years old, he's had a lot of carries, not just in the NFL, but in college as well. And in high school, man. And in like, high school. I'm telling you. Coming off the foot injury, broken foot last year. It's, you know, I don't want to jinx Indianapolis as uh, they still have to shut him down this week. And he did have kind of a bounce back game last week, um, at least compared to the first two games. But it's starting to look like um, he, he's reached the peak and his, his best football might be behind him. I, w I went back and looked. He's had six straight games now of less than 100 yards. This was like the game before the Colts game when he hurt the, the foot. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe the foot was bothering him before because people say, well, you know, the Colts game, he got hurt. Yeah, but he had 22 or 28 carries that game. So they used him a lot. He's averaging 3.1 carries over his last six games. That's crazy. And we'll talk about it with, with Taylor a little bit, but what's missing, like you said, is the big runs. Jonathan Taylor is is at fourth in the league rushing, but he's still averaging 4.7. But it's crazy. His two long runs are the 21. He had two 21 yards mm -hmm. against uh, Houston, I think it was. Correct. But 25% well, of his carries are for zero or minus yardage. That's just that's the that's the offensive line. Mm -hmm. the, the the big the, the lack of big runs is in my mind. It's not having Jack Doyle. It's not having Pascal. Who they really were? They, they, they were pass block receiver, or run block supreme receiver. blockers. But the but the no gains and minus yardage is, is the line not giving him a chance to get going, and it, 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 he'll he'll get he'll get loose. But we were talking to him today, and you'll probably remember it, Dave. I, the the quotes get mixed up in my mind. Somebody said. Are you close to breaking something? He said, you're always close. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. I, that, I, was? I, that was me, in fact. Yeah, I said, yeah, I was, I was asking. There's, there's just so much that goes into a run. Like, you're the one who watches the film. Are you close to making 
And he's like, you're always close. And then somebody, and he, he, somebody, he, somebody jumped right in. And then I got, I get mad when all you writers jump in on these TV quotes, like up. after one, one freaking line. Right. Like let, let him talk for a little bit. Let him go. Right. I, I know he paused for a second, but, but guys, come on, let, let, let him, but, let but him the, stew. The way he said you're clo- always close, it was like, I mean, we're we're right there. Yeah. And it was a supreme confidence. Uh, but yeah, we sometimes we do step on storylines. Yeah. Jerks. I Gosh. Know. I thought he was close a couple times last week. He was. Anyway, and that's that's exactly what I thought he was going to say. Sometimes you ask questions, you know the answers to. And and, and he's right. You're you're always close. Well, and, go, but, go back but there's, there's so there's so big a gap when you're saying you're always close because in the NFL there, there's like Frank can say after the first 2 weeks, we're we're right there, we're so close, but there's a big gap still when you when you are so close cuz every team is so close on every play. You need to take so close and convert, and they just have not been able to do it yet. So much of his game are those the shock plays. Yeah. I'm not talking necessarily an 80-yard run, but I'm talking 25 or 30, which we haven't seen. I think he's had it's like five carries, six carries over 10 yards. Mm-hmm. That's not him because he led the league in, in 20-yard and 40-yard carries last year. So I think he is close, and I'll tell you, if, if they can keep out of the bad situations, this is a game that you, you just – you wear them out. You, you 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 run the ball 35, 40 times with Taylor and Hines, and you have uh, Ryan throw. We were talking, you know, fourteen of twenty-two. But you don't have the run game. Just do what you do. This this is the kind of game that that's tailor made to let you do what you do. The top wide receivers for Ryan Tannehill are Robert Woods and Traylon Burks, as we Burks rather, as we've mentioned earlier. Uh, nine catches for Woods, eight for Burks. Um, uh, Burks was the 18th overall pick in this year's draft. Did fit in on this team with those kind of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Austin Hooper, also their tight end, uh, who uh, I think is also on the injury report this week, has uh, is former Matt Ryan uh, target down there in Atlanta. Austin Hooper um, on defense. Jeffrey Simmons is a stud in the middle. Uh, eight and a half sacks last year. He has two sacks this season. Both of them came in the Titans' Week One game against. Uh, against yeah, if, uh, the Giants. If, Gosh, I wonder who he's going to line up over. Yeah, if right? Chris Jones was impactful for the Chiefs last week, Jeffrey Simmons is going to be just just as much impactful. Well, Colts fans would love it if uh, if Jeffrey Simmons would be have the exact same impact on the game that Chris Jones had uh, this, uh, this past week. Don't you week. want to know what he said? I would love to know what he said. It must have been so naughty. Maybe, I, maybe we can get Matt Ryan in the offseason to tell us. I, I remember... When it's, when it's the, a thing of the past. One of the great comedians... George Carlin, where he did the seven words you can't say. Yes. He said one of those seven words. I think so, too. The, 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 the least got to have five words that if you say them. Right. Because go back and He's look. He's just done. Like, go back no and look. There, he j- Jones didn't go ballistic on the field. There was no demonstrative action. And even after the game, he said, well, you know, I've, if he said, if he was really blameless in this, he would have raised more of a, a complaint, but right. he, he knew mm-hmm. he knew that what he said was wrong mm-hmm. and a trigger point. So, and, and I tell you, that's a game you wish Matt Ryan was miked because I know he was egging him on. He, yep. he was just poking him a little bit and got him to say the secret See, word. If that was the case, then it would be going back to like Colts Productions, and yes. everybody back there would know what, True. what they said. And somebody would, somebody exactly. would, and we would know. And somebody, then we would somebody know. Would, somebody couldn't, exactly. couldn't keep it to him. Uh huh. No. I but got un- I gots to know. Unfortunately, it's not the case. We'll have to find out later. Uh, Rashad Weaver has done pretty well, Joe, in absence of Harold Landry. We talked about them missing Harold Landry would be a big loss for the defense, but hey, he leads the team with three sacks, so mm-hmm. the Titans are getting exactly what they hope for out of this backup. 
Yeah, fourth round pick from 2021, and he needed to step out, step up, and he's done so. So I think he got his first start last week, and he's kind of trying to take that uh, edge pass rush position by the reins. So Kevin, got to look out for him. Sorry, as I said, Kevin Byard, a stud back there in the secondary as well, and uh, intercepted Derek Carr last week. Uh, keys to the game, Joe. Uh, you uh, come up with three keys every basically week. Basically, already talked about them all. Yeah, we, we <laughs> have them. Summarize. But we can cer- summarize. We can focus on them here. Number one, you have to clean up your pass protection issues. As we've mentioned, it's been communication problems. Uh, Ryan has a great quote uh, when we talked to him Wednesday, saying, "It's not getting from me to the center, to the guards, to the tackles, to the backs, to the wide receivers. Like it is. It's kind of a trickle down, whisper down the lane thing. The great teams do it really well, and this Colts." unit for whatever reason it's not going well i don't care if they all before the ball snapped have to point at the guy they're blocking and make sure they remember got when it you're right growing up you had the tin cans with string yes could you maybe do that just to anything is better than what what's happened so far at least consistently yeah uh, matt ryan's been sacked five times in back-to-back games and, mm-hmm. and that's 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 not a good thing i think the stat that jumped out as if, if i'm right in frank reich's first four years they, they've been top 10 in fewest sacks they, they gave up five sacks in a game three or four times. I think it was four times, yes. Never, never in the same season. Here they've done it back-to-back seasons. Yep, back-to-back games. Ouch. Back-to-back seasons. Right, right. Games, correct. Right. Get Jonathan Taylor rolling. The Colts are 12-1-1 one one when JT rushes for 100 yards. Of course, the tie came this year against that Houston. That one's a pain. That, that, that that's one's a, that's such a pain. It, it is. is. And, and last year it was the uh, the the Raiders game. That was a uh, week uh, week seventeen was was the loss. First loss so yeah. for, so he was twelve and zero to start his career when he ran for hundred yards. And I I was mentioning it every week on this show, like hundred yards, get Jonathan Taylor the ball, do it. And now I can't say it quite as much anymore because now the last two have been a loss and a tie. Yeah, but I, I still think good things are probably going to happen when Jonathan Taylor rushes for hundred yards, especially. We talked about this defense has struggled to defend the run. They've given up the third most rushing yards, the most yards per run. Um, A lot of that came in week one when they were facing Saquon Barkley. And I think uh, Jonathan Taylor, pretty similar to Saquon Barkley in terms of what he can do with his size and speed. So get Taylor rolling. We haven't seen it for two straight games now. Um, got to get that going because you don't want to just rely on Matt Ryan dropping back to pass every time because we've seen how that's gone. The Colts have allowed only 2.6 yards per carry. That's the best in the NFL. So stopping Derrick Henry might be easier for this unit than it is for others across the league. Uh, Derrick Henry had 107 total yards combined in their two losses, Chap, but had 143 last week. He had 85 on the ground and about 60 more through the air. He's becoming a pretty good receiver. He is. He's developed into that. So it's not just running the ball. He can catch it, too, out of the backfield. You can leave him in the game all the time. And really, the Titans have done nothing to, to give Henry a, a legitimate, like a Naheem Hines-type uh, third down back that can come in on, a, on that type of scenario. Like they want, they want Henry out there as often as possible, and he's been out there, and he's, he's been, become better throughout his career. And now he's probably as good as he ever has because, well, he's, it's in the, ne- the next year. He's had more experience, more coaching. And certainly showed up last week, Joe. Yeah, it was really interesting. He had zero catches through the first two weeks. And then last but week. But he can. Yeah, he can. He's capable of doing it. Um, I remember week one, they used Dontrell Hilliard a lot in that kind of passing game role as they were trying to come back against the Giants um, in that close game. But then they give it to him. Uh, I think he was targeted six times, five catches last week, and he did great with it. So maybe that's something that they try and make more of an emphasis this week. Okay, if he's struggling in the running game a little bit, let's get him out in space and let him do something against defenses. Since 1951, Hancock Health has been centered around you. 
And now, as a member of the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our services are amplified by the world leader in medicine. We were selected by Mayo Clinic because of our commitment to caring for East Central Indiana. Now, our local experts are taking that commitment further by consulting with Mayo Clinic specialists and working together to make health possible. Learn more at HancockHealth.org slash Mayo Clinic. FanDuel has the Colts at three-point favorites in this game, the over-under at 42.5, so they're expecting about a 23-20 ball game between the Colts Excuse me. And the Titans. Hello. Um, so we're going to get to our predictions for this week. AFC South home opener for the schedule this year after uh, facing both the Texans and the Jaguars on the road, being unable to come away with a win against either of them. Do the Colts get their first division win here inside Lucas Oil Stadium? Joe, how about you go first with your prediction? Chap, you can go next and I will finish us off. Last week on the show, I said that the Colts, I picked the Colts to lose. I think we all did. And I said they stink until they prove they don't stink anymore. Well, if you beat the Chiefs, you prove that you don't stink. You at least got something going for you. Um, And I think just the way this matchup looks with Derrick Henry struggling a little bit in the run game, the Titans defending or struggling to defend the run on the other side, I'm going to take the Colts in this one uh and i'm also going to assume that there's not as many pass protection issues as last week it'd be difficult to do uh something to that level once again so i'm going to take the colts to win 24 to 17. jap for a lot of what joe said i've got 27 23. i think the offense does get its act together a little bit i i I don't think this defense takes a step back I, i just think what we saw last week is what we can kind of expect to some degree. So I say 27-23, and I I want to say not not a close 27-23, but I don't think this is going to come down to the last possession. Yeah. These teams have played some some more offensive games over the past couple of years during during these stretch, or at least more point scoring games. Like we saw one where the Colts special teams was, was a big factor in their win a couple of years ago. Um, so so I think I I do think that there's going to be some points in this game. And and I'm on board with you that the uh, that the offensive line is going to be better. Like I, I've really been going back and forth uh, on this one a whole lot. And last week I was saying the same thing. I just didn't have didn't have the guts to pick the Colts over the Chiefs. I didn't. Um, and my my heart is telling me, and my head is telling me. So I, I'm leaning toward the Titans here uh, at home uh, for the Colts uh, on the road rather. Um, I think that they, I think, I don't think that the Colts can solve all their issues in one week. I still think Shaquille Leonard's loss is going to be felt more often than it's not. It was not felt as much last week. The defense did a really good job. And I I still have faith that Derrick Henry can, can be a strong running back. And he did take a step forward, I think, for that last week. I think the Titans, just like the Colts, took a step forward last week into being the team that they expect to be. So this is really a test for for both of these teams. So um, I, I just like the Titans overall uh, a little bit better than I like the Colts uh, this year in general. So that's why I lean toward them, since both teams, I think, are on a similar trajectory. Um, so I'm going to pick the Titans uh, 28 to 24. Um, I, like I said, I think there's going to be some points scored in this one. I think it's going to be a fun, fun game. But I lean toward the Titans at the end of the day. Uh, but but I don't I don't anticipate it's going to be a um, what what's the word 
a, a Jacksonville? Yeah, I don't anticipate it's going to be a Jacksonville by, by any stretch. Or I Tennessee, think, the way it's been. Yeah, or Tennessee. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, last year at home against Tennessee was the 34 uh, 31 game in overtime. So that was that's fun. That's game. when we saw Carson Wentz's versatility. Yes, we did. Game Everything you can do. We'll lead him back and then throw the ball to Kevin Byard in, in, in overtime inexplicably. We're four weeks in, Dave. You've yet to pick the Colts to win a game. You're, you're correct. I detect a trend. You are correct. I do detect I, trend. And, and that's another reason why, why I kind of was, was really hemming and hawing about this pick. Um, but I, I think next week that, that has a good, good opportunity to change. Of course, that always depends on, on what happens this week for both the Colts and the Broncos, who will be the, the Colts' next opponent uh, Thursday night out in Denver. But... Uh, but you're not wrong, Joe. And he's just a hater. Yes, I am. I'm he's a total a hater. hater. I, I, I was right about Jacksonville, right. Well, unlike, week, unlike yeah. both of you. <laughs> I was as close to being right as you could be week Here one we go. without we go. being right. 20 to 20 when the final score was uh, 20, uh, when I picked 21 to 20. So, so yeah, see, you wrong can say that wrong. I'm a hater. Wrong but is I, wrong. I'll also say, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll also say that, that I was. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I have. He has, he has better better track record than we do this season, so yeah. I'll give him that. So there you go. I'll also say it's not um, it's usually a pretty good choice picking the team that scored the fewest points in the NFL to lose. Yeah, and, and the, Colts the Colts are averaging 13 points per game. That's it's not pre- good. Pretty pitiful. It's not good. Um, so Getting we'll have shut to out see. certainly uh, skews Getting that. shut out in one of it, it, yes. correct. It does. It skews it quite a bit. But, I mean, what's the most points they would they put up in – Against the Chiefs? They put up 20, 20 against the Chiefs. They put up 20. Right now it's 20 so they haven't been able to so surpass 20 points. Yet. Correct. No, 20 has been the limit in both both games. So I, I think the Colts are going to take a little bit of a step forward. And they're, they're not going to, you know, I picked them to score 24. So there you go. A hey. li- little bit of a step forward. So did forward. I, yes. Incremental progress. But, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's see if Jim Irsay can either uh, celebrate or if he's going to be clenching his fist. Like Arthur the Hedgehog after this one, he's already uh, he's already tweeting uh, his dis well, not displeasure tweeting out in uh, in quantities today um, with uh, lots of emojis and uh, encouraging fans to be there and help them out against the Titans. If you can't be there in person, watch it on CBS Four broadcast in Central Indiana, one o'clock Sunday afternoon, and join us there as well at eleven thirty a.m. Sunday for the Colts Blue Zone pregame show. For Joe Hopkins, at Rota Street Joe, Mike Chappell, at mchapel 51 I am Dave Griffiths, at DaveG underscore sports. You can follow us all at, the Colts, at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter for injury notes specifically throughout the week. And check out Mike's work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com as well. Appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week after the Colts and Titans on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Hopkins here. I would like to issue a correction about something I stated on the Colts podcast today. I called Arthur a hedgehog. He is very clearly an aardvark, not a hedgehog, and I apologize to Arthur and his entire family. So, sorry, Arthur. You are a beautiful aardvark, not a hedgehog. Thank you for listening.